Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Hey, welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor. We have a great program for you today. And as a matter of fact, if you have the courage to listen in, you're going to hear a story that is going to touch your heart and it's going to go a lot of different ways. It's going to surprise you. Our guest today is Betsy Erdman. Betsy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. It's fun to hear you. You're in Indiana, right? Fort Close Wayne, to- yeah. Fort Wayne. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. There's a great couple of great restaurants up there we used to go to when we were at Taylor University in oh, yeah. Upland, Indiana. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So, Betsy, have you lived in uh, Indiana all your life? I have not. I grew up in New Jersey, mm. and I am an Indiana transplant. I met my husband in college at IU. And he happened to get a job in Fort Wayne, where he's from. And you came home with him. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have a very special story, I believe, Betsy. And, and, it, and it really starts at birth. And so I'm going to give you some freeway. And if, if those who are with us can hang on, I think I'll, I'll occasionally pop a question in. But I'm pretty sure you have a, a beautiful story to share with us first. So I'm Aww. going to give you some rope here. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, my story is a little bit unique in that I am now a Christian, but I was raised Jewish. I learned at an early age, that five years old actually, that I was adopted at birth, and my birth mother was Jewish. So Jews believe that the child is always the religion of the mother. So I was born to a Jewish woman and adopted into a Jewish family and raised as such, I went to Hebrew school, I had a bat mitzvah, I had youth group, I had all of all of the things. I enjoyed my life, you know, I had friends and family vacations and all of that. But there was always this underlying kind of attention within me. Uh, when I was five years old, my parents told me I was adopted, and then I was told I wasn't allowed to talk about it anymore. Wow, that, that, um, that couldn't have been very enjoyable. Right, right. So when you think about it, you tell a five-year-old not to do something, what are they going to do? They're going to do it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked about it a lot. There was definitely some tension in my house for that, for my need to know and understand, and my parents' need to create what they considered a normal house They didn't see me as any different than my sister. My sister is biological to them. And they didn't see me as any different, so they didn't understand why it was such a big deal that I I was questioning things. Then when I went to college out in Indiana, and I started there because I was a journalism major to begin with, and IU has a great school of journalism. Yeah, I've heard that. Right. But of course, I changed my major four times and ended up with a different major. But, you know, I started there. <laughs> but um, I, I, was, I was definitely a, like a little kid in a candy store when I, I went to Bloomington. I would say that while my upbringing was, you know, I had everything that I wanted or needed, it was a bit sheltered. Our neighborhood that we grew up in was all Jewish. It was actually known as Little Israel because there were so many Jews there. So when I went to Bloomington, it was 
a whole new world. You know, I not only met people of different faiths, I met people from different nationalities. I met, you know, there were different ideas, and mm. and I thoroughly enjoyed my college experience and, and did some things I'm not very proud of. There were lots of parties, lots of drinking, lots of, lots of experimenting with substances. I was very promiscuous, mm. and um, I found myself pregnant my senior year in college, and I knew that in the family I was raised in, there was absolutely no way that I was going to be allowed to bring a child home out of wedlock. It wasn't even an option. You know, I want to just usher a word out here to all of those listening and and on this trip with us, because this is a tough tough story to tell. It's also a word of warning to parents. Do not assume that your child is ready to go to college without some really good, deep conversations Mm -hmm. and, and really putting forward the reasons why not just this is what we believe, but this is what what God has given us is the is a purity, and we are mm-hmm. striving to keep that. So go ahead. That's a continue yeah. on. So I had an abortion in April of the end of my senior year in college. My mother actually came out and made sure I got there, and I went to the clinic in Indianapolis where I was escorted in by police and escorted out by police because there were people screaming and uh, yeah, protesting. People protesting, yeah. Okay. They were protesting. And one of the things, though, I'm, I'm just going to take a second here, and one of the things that I think is important for people to understand, and there are, are positive ways to protest and there are negative ways to protest. If you're negatively protesting and, in this case, calling people murderers and that you're going to hell and all of this, the safest place at that moment for me was inside that abortion clinic because yeah. I would get away yeah. from the people screaming at me. Yeah, so that uh, and, the people are driving you there is what's happening. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it was a very stressful, obviously, experience anyway it was compounded by the, uh, the, the protesting that mm-hmm. was going on outside. Mm-hmm. We've I talked had, a lot about the differences in protesting over the, yes. over the series of conversations we've had. Yes. And the idea that there's no reason for yelling and screaming and no. demeaning. There is no. every reason for having that soft countenance that Christ would have at that moment exactly. and offering that kindness. So exactly. I'm sorry for you for that experience. Oh, I really thank am. Thank you. Thank you. It, it definitely left a, a mark on sure. me, for sure. sure. So I had the procedure. As soon as it was over, I knew it was the wrong thing to do. I actually knew it was the wrong thing when I was there, you know, before it was, was done. But there's nothing you can do. Once it's done, it's done. You can't take it back. Okay. Can I go back and say, how did you know? On your own, you thought, I'm going to have an abortion. And then your mother mm-hmm. came with you on it. But mm-hmm. how did you know? What changed in your mind or your heart at that time? It was a feeling. It was knowing that there was a life mm-hmm. taken away. It, yeah. it, was, it was the realization that I had part in ending the possibility of somebody's life, you know. Right. Right. And in the, in the room, I, I, I had a nurse in there with me that made a mistake <laughs> and left the abortion contents in the room with me after oh, it was over. Wow. 
And so that is the image that I had. And it was crushing. It was absolutely crushing, debilitating. It was terrible. So after they, they put you into a room with all of these other girls who are trying to recover from this procedure and everyone is kind of numb and stoic and teary and, and then it's time to go. They give you a, a cookie and some juice mm. and send you on your way and the policeman walks you to your car mm. and you go home and that's the end of it, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was in a pretty, pretty good downward spiral at that point. So my husband and I actually had our first date two days after my abortion. My goodness. Yeah. Did he know? Did you did you tell him what you had gone through? Not that day. Not that no. Day. It, it was about a, a month after we started dating that I that I shared with him what I had done, and and he's a lifelong Christian. He was raised Christian, very godly family, and. He said to me, I forgive you. And I looked at him and I'm like, what are you talking about? Why, why do you forgive me? And at that time, I wasn't able to forgive myself, much less accept that someone else could forgive me. I yeah. literally thought I was walking around with a scarlet letter on my chest. Mm-hmm. And every time I was outside, people knew exactly what I had done. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's I've heard that before from other mm-hmm. women, especially women who are sitting in a church are hoping, oh, mm-hmm. please don't ever mm-hmm. mention the word because everybody Absolutely. will know. You yeah. know, that is really amazing that your husband now and your, your first time on that date that he said that. And I've never thought about that before, Betsy, that, that it, it, it's a crime against the world. It's mm-hmm. not just a, a sin. It's a horrible sin against God. Mm-hmm. But it, it does hurt all of us. We lose mm-hmm. children who have potential. We, right. As teachers, we have someone missing from a classroom. Right. And, right. and as a, a church, you have a, a seat that's in, empty in the pew that right. that child would be growing up in. And right. boy, that is a powerful, powerful statement. And I'm yeah, really glad you shared that. Yeah, it was very powerful. So we, we dated for a very short while. We actually got engaged four months after we started dating. Wow. And um, I knew instantly that he was the one, and we got married 14 months later. Tell me about Christ and all of that. I'm sure he shared his his faith with you. He he shared his faith with me, but he gave me room. Okay. I think God, in His infinite wisdom, puts people in your life who you really need at the time you really need them. Mm -hmm. And God knew that I am not one for what I call bulldoze evangelism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't shove your faith down my throat. Mm -hmm. Let me see you. Model your faith. You know, how are you living your life? What is different about you? Let me feel that love. And we are feeling this love. We're going to take a very quick break. But before we do, I just want to say you are hearing a very intimate story. And as you're listening to it, perhaps you're thinking, I don't know if I want to hear this story. I don't know if I if I want to understand the, the graphics of what takes place. But what you have is a gift that I believe God is giving you to take into your heart to understand compassion and forgiveness, just like her husband, future husband, was able to articulate, and realizing that no sin is worse than another sin. In essence, we are all sinners, and God knows that that's that's the 
the color of who we are. And so we all need forgiveness. And I'm so grateful, Betsy, for your your openness as we've started this program. We're going to come right back from a quick break and we'll be with you again. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and we would encourage you to come to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and catch up on podcasts if you've missed some of our programs. If you're new, just joining us, you definitely want to go to the website to check out some of the wonderful interviews we've had with Rick Santorum and numerous people who have told very precious life stories. Today, we are visiting with Betsy Erdman, and she is sharing a very, very sensitive, precious, deep, emotional story. And she just told me that the best is yet to come. So we're really excited, Betsy, to have you. Thanks for joining us. You are welcome. So Betsy is sharing uh, with her husband-to-be and their marriage and the the process of recouping from a past abortion. Go ahead. Okay. So once we got married, I was still a practicing Jew. He was a Christian, and we decided that any children that we had at that point, we were going to let choose what they wanted their faith to be, since we were both practicing our faith which is a crazy thing to do because pick your parents for a reason, you know, pick a religion for your child. So I had our first child, my first daughter, and she was born premature. And then I got pregnant with our second daughter several years later. I was on full bed rest again with her. They never diagnosed me with the problem, but I had preterm labor with both of my children. Wow. I was in the hospital for extended periods of time. I, though, in my head, was absolutely convinced that this was my punishment for the abortion, Mm. that God was punishing me. When you grow up Jewish, you have the Old Testament, right? Right. God is a disciplinarian. (laughs) Yes. You always feel like someone is shaking their finger at you. You don't know the love, grace, hope, and mercy of Christ until you get to the New Testament. (laughs) Even though there's pockets, I mean, the whole Bible is all about the coming Messiah. I get that. But it's somehow omitted Uh or glossed over Uh in Judaism, obviously. Uh So I was absolutely convinced that God was punishing me for that abortion and that he gave me two bad pregnancies, really bad pregnancies. And both of my girls were born prematurely. They both were born with significant 
health issues, though neither one had to go to the intensive care unit. Our older daughter has pretty significant asthma, and we knew that at a very early age. She has very bad allergies. And then our younger daughter was sick all the time. She was not able to keep any formula down, and we could not figure out what it was. We spent time at Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis with her trying to get a diagnosis because she was hanging on to the growth chart by her fingernails. She was so teeny tiny. And at that time, I decided that it was time to contact the adoption agency where my parents got me from. In the state of New York where I was born, all adoption records are immediately sealed once the adoption takes place. So I had no access to my birth certificate. I had no access to any kind of family information. Everything was closed. But this was in the 1960s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Things have changed slightly in New York, but not not a lot. Their adoption laws are, are probably one of the strictest in the country. So I contacted the adoption agency to see if I was able to get any medical history to find out why our younger daughter was so sick. You know, when when you're adopted, you have this mystery gene pool, and you have no idea what's (laughs) floating around in there. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah. So I was contacted by the director of the adoption agency in June of this particular year, and she asked when the next time I was coming out east was, and I told her probably not until November Thanksgiving time, And she said to me that the information that she had for me should not be given over the phone. So I immediately thought either there was some terrible disease floating around in my gene pool Mm -hmm. that is affecting my child or my birth mother is dead or Mm -hmm. whatever. But she went on to tell me that my birth mother was raped and I was the result of that rape. Wow. That information sent me into a full-on emotional breakdown. I was not able to care for my children. I I did nothing. I, I was a shell of a person, uh, and it got so bad that my husband was afraid I was going to take my life, and I was close to it. When you're adopted, the only people on the planet, at least in my case, the only people on the planet that I knew I was blood-related to were my girls, and now they share DNA with a rapist. Mm-hmm. And it was almost too much to handle. Yeah, not I can to see mention, that, and I can imagine. Yeah, not to mention the fact that here is my birth mother, who, for whatever reason, I had her on this pedestal. I don't know her, I have never met her, and I probably never will. But here is a woman in the 1960s in New York City who was raped. Would anyone have questioned her, even though abortion was not legal? Mm-hmm. Right, and the places that that everyone went for an abortion was New York and California. Correct. It was for sure going on. So would anyone have questioned her had she decided to terminate that pregnancy? Uh, I think probably not. So here in my mind at that time is this selfless woman who gave me a chance at life. And here is me, this selfish person who took a life. It was... It nearly ended my life. It really did. Until we have some dear friends who decided to be vessels for God to work. They are godly people, lifelong Christians, and they. we didn't tell a lot of people about the breakdown I was going through. We definitely didn't tell my parents. And they invited us to their home for supper one night, and our friend 
gave me a list of psalms to read, six of them. I keep them in my Bible still today. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, what is this? And he said, I want you to go home and I want you to read these. And I said, I don't want to. And he said, just do it. Do it for me. And so I read them. I didn't feel any better, but I didn't feel any worse. (laughs) But from that, I started asking questions. What is this faith thing you guys are always talking about? Because I wouldn't say as a Jew... I had a faith. You know, I didn't have a personal relationship with God, the almighty creator, Mm -hmm. disciplinarian. You had a religion. I didn't understand. I had religion, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't understand what faith was. So they would answer questions that I had. And then one day our friend wrote a really light Bible study for me. I would have a few verses to read every day and then some questions to answer. And then the four of us would get together about twice a month, something like that. And we would go over that Bible study, and they would answer any questions that I had about the Christian faith. And this went on for months and months and months, and they poured their lives into us. Until one day, I looked at my husband and I said, I think we need to get the girls baptized. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I really think so. So there we were, and I was holding our younger daughter, and he was holding our older one, and the pastors at the church were, were asking those questions that we've all heard a million times, you know, will you raise this child, will you do this, will you? and I was answering yes and yes and yes, and it occurred to me at that moment that if I was able to answer yes for my children, it was probably yes for me too. <laughs> Oh, Betsy, what an incredible story. We are, we're running out of time here, but I do want to say again, thank you for the story that you have shared. Thank you for the very uh, sweet innuendos of of things that that we don't really think about. We don't realize that people who uh, are facing rape and and issues like that have a huge decision to make in this world. And the idea that God saved you, sweetie, is such a gift. It is such a gift. And you're using your story and you're speaking it out. This is just absolutely wonderful. I know you've done a lot of work with Deeper Still. Deeper Still is a national ministry organization based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and we bring women and men to beautiful settings to love on them, to show them Jesus. It is completely bathed in prayer. It is worshipful. It is Christian men and women mentoring, walking alongside those who are hurting and dealing with the guilt and shame of a past abortion. So we speak biblical truth to them, and it's, it's a unique perspective to be able to watch God work in the lives of people who are hurting. In ministry, normally we plant seeds, and we don't always see those seeds germinate. But this is an opportunity to watch Him work almost immediately, and we can see the countenance of participants change from Friday afternoon when they get there to the retreat, scared and unsure until they leave on Sunday, renewed, new creations, and the healing process has started. Mm, It's it's, it's a beautiful ministry. It's a beautiful ministry. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. The website for Deeper Still is... Is Deeper Still, 
deeperstillni.org, deeperstillni.org. Our email is deeperstillnorthernindiana at gmail.com. Our phone number is 260-410-5109. The retreats are completely free to participants. It costs about $5,000 per retreat, and we raise that at our annual fundraising banquet, which is coming up on March 10th here in Indiana. If anyone is interested in that, they can go to eventbrite.com and search Deeper Still. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Betsy. This has been wonderful to hear from you. So Deeper Still Northern Indiana at gmail.com is a great way to get a hold of Betsy if you wanted to speak for your group or if you just want to hear more of her story. And in the meantime, please know that you can come to chooseliferadio.com, our website. You do know that there is no way we can be on the radio without your help. And so as uh, listeners today, as people who are supporting this ministry, we would be grateful if you went on that website and, and hit the donate button and helped us out just a little bit, especially as we're now in Indiana as well. We welcome you listeners in Indiana. This is really exciting to be with you. So as God has touched your heart, I just would ask you to really pray over the women who are dealing with these issues that Betsy shared today. And I offer up the hope that even now, if God's speaking in your heart and you have had an abortion or you have been part of that, I just want you to know God forgives you, but you need to turn to him so that he He can show you all the love that he's shown to Betsy. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a delight to have you, and we look forward to next week. And so just plan on joining us. Jill Taylor here for Choose Life Radio, and thank you so much, Betsy Erdman, for being with us. This is Jill Taylor saying goodbye and see you next week. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.